It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, my talkers, it is Wednesday, July 8th, meaning it is hope, 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 hope day. And Lori and Julie are here. We've got some Olympic updates, and we have a really special book club for you today. Just wait till you hear what it's about. Oh, my gosh. Real Housewives to everything. So if you've got a burning question, you can call Grant. You can tweet us. But we're talking with Brian Moylan. And, I mean, I hounded him on Twitter. Yes. Um, And he has written about the Real Housewives since he wrote for Gawker. Yeah. And he was asked to take over from this other person who did the first couple years of recaps of the Real Housewives, starting with Orange County. And anyway, and then when Gawker was killed off, basically, by Hulk Hogan, he went over to Vulture, and now he's written... Remember we had Amy Kaufman from Bachelor Nation who writes about The Bachelor for the LA Times? Yep. He's basically done what Amy did with Bachelor Nation, and he talked on the record and off the record with producers and showrunners and talent and former housewives and to get a really, like, the whole story of how... How they get hired. How, But even more than that, that that is the thing that put Bravo on the, on the map. Oh, and Bravo is the most recognizable uh, cable station, like, with gay people and... The housewives, you know, cement. I mean, they have like a huge. It's a, an amazingly successful network, and yep. just how it all happened. So I'm really, I have to say, this book is good and juicy. It is. It is good and juicy. It, it, it is really good. is. It so really I'm glad is. that Brian is talking to us from London at three thirty today. He's a very funny, snarky um, writer, mm-hmm. and he also we will have to ask him because he was Erica Jane's. Co-author, yes, for Pretty Mess, her memoir. Oh, Lori. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lori. Mm-hmm. I didn't. You've read more of the book than I have. Uh, well, I knew that going into this. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes, yes. So we'll have to see. You know, I, he's got to be friends with uh, Erica Jane if yes. he was the one who did her book. So we'll see what kind of. Or maybe the, or scoop, maybe not. Who or knows? who knows? But uh, I have that book. I never read it. Pretty mass, Erica Jane's book. Yeah. I loved the cover of it, but I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to read her story. And you know what, Julia? I'm it glad is still I didn't. Sitting on my bookshelf, I have a bookshelf of memoirs and autobiographies I meant or have meant to read. For some reason, those kind of just sit there. Sometimes more, more so than other books. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I was so last night um, chatting with our Brittany because her cousin Katie Ledecky was. Um, going for a first-time-ever event, the 1,500-meter s- 
freestyle swim in the Olympics. And that just, if people want to know, that is 30 laps. Yeah. 100 meters up and back, and that race is done so fast, but 1,500, I don't even, I can't imagine It takes about 15, a little over 15 minutes. I can't even, I mean, think of swimming even one length of a pool, doing the freestyle, which is the crawl, the main stroke, and then doing 30. That just blew me away when I started thinking of the number, and this is the first time that women have been allowed to compete in this event. What? There's a little history on, you know, events with women, and... um. She just said uh, she feels so bad that so many women before her who were great swimmers weren't allowed to compete in this event because they deemed it only men could swim this far kind of thing. It was very sexist. Mm -hmm. There's so much sexist stuff we're learning about the Olympics. Oh, Jay, Um, we've known about it. It's just that it's uh, rearing its ugly head because every four years we find out about it. So she um, it's her eighth Olympic medal, Katie Ledecky and sixth gold. And um, she owns the top 13 fastest time in the world for the mile. And six of the top seven of those were in 2021. Mm -hmm. But the thing with this event is that women were first allowed to swim in the Olympics in 1912. But it was only two events. And then in 1968, they opened up more. But the freestyle, this was always absent until this Mm -hmm. year. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. That is. Well, I mean, of course, the big news was and, you know, last night and we'll talk about Olympics even more in depth a little bit later. But so Casey's daughter is is with us for a whole wonderful week with her little three month old. So we're we just have been staying home because it's been too hot for the baby to be outside. You know, it really is. So anyway, but we're watching the Olympics. And even though all three of us knew yesterday that Simone had withdrawn from the team competition we knew that the women were going to take silver we knew everything we knew everything and yet it was riveting i thought so too tv i mean we I were so nervous too. we were excited i mean suni lee the the gymnast uh, silver medal winning st paul st paul she had the highest score of the night her parallel bars that's her thing she was so good she was amazing and then uh you know the gal from asante um what is her name? Grace McCullum. I think McCullum? you're right. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, you know, stepped in. But uh, we saw all the talking. We heard Simone say, I mean, it was, we, Nikki and I were crying at the end. Because, yeah, I mean, it was really, it was, well, we knew everything going in. I, I, right. It was still exciting. And because I, we didn't know how, what, you know. How it would all unfold. It was, it was. It was, and I never had really, and Simone was just like cheering everybody on, and, and you know, I'd never seen the camaraderie before, and I heard one of the announcers say that, you know, the when Team USA all went over and hugged all the other girls from Russia, which mm-hmm. they got the gold, that they that's They've never seen that before, right? Never seen it before, right. and I was struck at how much they cheerlead for each other. Because you could hear it in the background. And while the event was going on and I was getting nervous while they were on the beam, that beam is a delicate little flower. I mean, people have a hard time staying on that little beam. And they went in depth. Did you see that That uh, when Simone Biles, when she did her vault and she landed and they went slow-mo and they said, see her eyes, eyes. like she can't see where she's going? She lost the... What did they call it? Lost the moment or lost the space? Lost in space. They had a fancy word for yeah. it, a gymnastic word when yeah. you're tumbling in the air and you can't find the landing. Kind right. Of thing. No, you did see. And it. she had, 
I, you got to respect her for pulling out because she said she would have brought down the team with her scores and she wanted them she's to 70% of the score. If she's on, which yep. she has always been 70% so of the boy. team scores. So she was like, I can't hold up 70%. I don't, I feel unsteady. And right. then she reposted this morning, uh, Simone Biles. Yeah. Her, the gymnastic coach did an Instagram because there's a lot of, there's some hate guys. Out there. There's a lot of oh yeah, big baby, and yeah, you're yeah, letting yeah. down your team. She said it makes me so frustrated to see comments about Simone not being mentally tough enough or quitting on her team. We're talking about the same girl who was molested by her team doctor throughout her entire childhood and teen years. So the whole time, okay, oh, my be- coach said this. Yeah, this is oh. an Instagram. Um, she was molested by her team doctor, the one who was in jail, when the World All-Around Championship... She also won the World All-Around Championship title while passing a kidney stone. Jeez. She put her body through an extra year of training through the pandemic, added so much difficulty to her routines that the judges literally do not know how to properly rate her skills because... Uh, They are so far ahead of her time. All of this while maintaining her responsibilities to her endorsement deals, the media, personal relationship. And some people can honestly say Simone Biles is soft. She's a quitter. That girl has endured more trauma by the age of 24 than most people ever go through in a lifetime. And she reposted that. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And for the non-gymnastics, the fact that she balked mid-air and accidentally accidentally did a one and a half on her first vault instead of a two and a half is a big deal it's terrifying she could have been severely injured that's getting lost in the air like the fact she somehow landed on her feet shows her experience and is incredible the margin for error on skills like that is insanely low Lori, the thing I was thinking about, you know, was that if she says my mind is not in the right space, she could, when you watch the tumbling and how high these women get. and But she does stuff that is beyond dangerous. I know, it, and I just respect that because she could I, crack a vertebrae or something yeah, could, yeah. terrible could happen. A so. lot of the women do things that are rated, you know, 5.6 or 6.8, and she regularly does things that are like 8. You know, that on the yes. skill level, but that's why the New York Times had a few days ago before any of this They're happened. scoring her so low. They don't even know yeah. how to score her because nobody's done some of this right. stuff. So anyway, all right, listen, uh, we got to go. When we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of. Grant playing a little Kelly Clarkson for our next story. Yeah, well, uh, to just remind everybody, in June of last year, after spending... Two months in a Montana one-room cabin with four kids, Kelly Clarkson filed from filed for divorce from her husband of nearly seven years, Brandon Blackstock, and yes. she eventually got primary phys- physical custody of their kids, six-year-old daughter River Rose, and four-year-old Remington. And Kelly and Brandon share a joint physical and legal custody, but the kids mostly live with her in L.A. After she argued that she and Brandon have a difficult time co-parenting due to issues of trust between them. Right. Because she's also suing Brandon and his father, who's the ex-husband of Reba McIntyre, of uh, basically defrauding her and double-dipping as managers Mm -hmm. and, you know, all this other stuff. But anyway, Brandon asked for... 
$436,000 a month in spousal and child support. Okay. Because apparently Miss Kelly Clarkson earns one point five million. One point six, close to right. six million a month, which is about twenty million dollars yearly income. So the judge ruled Good that, for Kelly. Yeah, I know. It's good so the, for her. Uh the judge ruled, and I think if you go to the bank when you make a deposit like this, it's called a crap ton of money. You'll have to look it up. But uh Brandon is gonna get a fresh two hundred thousand dollars each month in his bank account. Okay. That's she's paying, you know, Dr. Dre type amounts of money. Yes, she is. The blast saw legal de- uh documents after LA County Court issued the order and um so starting April, starting April, this past April 1st, she's been paying him 150000 a month in spousal support, then another forty uh, six or 45000 for child support. Okay. And so, uh, and in the court documents, oh my gosh, basically Brandon is retiring and becoming a rancher. I, hello? That's straight up with the legal docs. So the documents... Um, Reveal that he's decided to leave his career as a manager in the entertainment business business. And he made a very deliberate choice to change his life and become a rancher full time. And it includes sponsoring rodeos and working the ranch because don't cry for Brandon's clients. He only has one other client. He only had two Kelly Clarkson and Blake Shelton. Right. And you think um, he's still with Blake? Well, the new documents reveal that Brandon spends, quote unquote, minimal time regarding his representation of his remaining client, okay. Blake Shelton. So, uh, but she did get one victory in all what of is this. It? Kelly wanted the court to let her sell their Montana ranch with she the one room. Did? Yeah. And they didn't let her, but Brandon was ordered to start covering the costs of the property. Oh, good. Which she will pay out of the money that she's giving him. Okay. But it's about $81,000 a month, that ranch. Okay, so, wow. So this little one-room cabin, Lori, I think is... Well, they were building. They yes, might have started yes, building. There's yes. land. There might be cattle. There's yes. expenses. There's people working mm-hmm. the ranch. But he has to pay that 81000 out of his 200000 oh, So well, I I'm thought that was good. I'm glad she got something. Yeah, so he has to do that. Um, so, so will the kids just shuttle between her Toluca Lake property and Montana? No, no. Remember, that was the thing that when he has to stay in L.A., she doesn't want them schlepping. Got it. That's Got it. And she has to pay $1.25 million for his legal fees. Okay. And... Um, now we could play, uh, what does stronger, what doesn't kill right. you. We could play that song because Kelly and Brandon still have to agree on. A- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. 
Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. A property settlement, a permanent financial settlement. They do have a prenup, which was signed in 2013, five days before the wedding. Okay. And Brandon's 200000 a month is temporary. Okay. And she's also in a legal fight with Brandon and his father, the For former husband of-, of Reba, because... Kelly used to be represented by Brandon's father, Narvel, as part of the company he owns with Brandon called Starstruck Management. Uh At the end of last year, Starstruck sued Kelly for commissions they said she owed. She responded by saying they defrauded her by charging her crazy high fees and that Brandon wasn't even licensed to be a manager in the state of California. And she just went along with it. And there's no legal conclusion to either side's accusation about that. So if Brand, if Brand, I mean, I don't know. I wonder if she'll ever talk about this on her show. Well, I am looking at Star. She could play Gucci Mane's "Robbed." She could cover that song. There you go. I'm looking at Starstruck Management's website, Lori. Yeah, she is no longer. Here's who they manage: Blake Shelton, Pryor and Lee, Maggie Rose. Kale Dodds, Emily Ann Roberts. But that's Narvel does all of that. Brandon he's just on, said... He's at, on here. He's, but yeah. They both... His dad put the company yeah. in Brandon's name, but Brandon only... You know, it's never a good idea to manage your wife. Well, that's... Her husband. I mean, I don't feel like that's good. But well, it anyway. happens to a lot of people. She does not like him. And all. I don't I don't know, think he likes her either. Uh, listen, he was the one who's bringing booty call to the house while she was doing all the shows. So oh. I hope she has receipts. I hope she's got the goods. And I hope she had a cheating clause in her prenup for both of them. There you go. So I think, I think he did her dirty. Well, of course. Very dirty. We, I would he agree did her with dirty you. in business. I mean, she has. They have a go between for them for the kids. I knew someone whose divorce was like that. That they had a go between. Hated each other so much, and they had to use the police department. Yeah. Well, Kelsey Grammer and Camille. Yeah. Grammer. They had that. Yep. They, they could drop off the other. child at a at a spot, then the person would transfer yeah. the child to the next spot, so they wouldn't even have to see yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. So. And just another little music side note, yes. courtesy of Cher tweeting it. It's so it said, so, you know, she's been in Europe um, having fun, eating ice, ice cream, cream, going all around like all the people. Well, she let us know uh, that she spent three hours with Tina Turner at her home in Switzerland oh, on Sunday. That makes me happy. And uh, Tina's, you know, being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's been ailing a bit, even though she's got the induction. She's got the HBO documentary. It got nominated for couple Emmys, her Broadway show's returning, but Cher and Tina go way back. Tina used to be a guest on Cher's show, and they were also both part of the Phil Spector world right? in the 60s, and um, if they ever did an interview together of them talking, that be fun? it would blow our minds. Yeah, wouldn't that be fun? Anyway, so I like knowing I like Cher knowing and Tina. That. I do too, Lori, thanks. All right. Listen, we come back, we're talking with uh, Brian Mole and the Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewife. Forgive us, we had to play that song as an introduction for you. Oh, I'm so excited you played it for me. Oh, good. We are so excited. We love, We have a Lori and Julia book club, and you are our latest book. And your book, Brian Moylan, is with us. The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. And 
Uh, Julie and I have been faithful fans of your recaps of The Real Housewives going back to Gawker. So we're just thrilled that we tracked you down on Twitter. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about Housewives anytime I can. Okay, so um, you've been writing, and, and I love your recaps on The Real Housewives. You're dishy, you're snarky, you give us your honest opinion. But how did, because this book is great. I mean, you got people to talk on the record, off the record, Housewives, producers, showrunners. I mean, you did your homework to put this book together. Was there any aha moment for you? I'm wanting to do this. Um, I the the reason I wanted to do it is I read a book called uh, Bachelor Nation, which yes. is about the behind the scenes of the Bachelor franchise, which I wasn't a fan. I'm not a fan of, but I read the book and loved it. And I was like, why didn't anyone do this for Housewives? And so I decided to kind of do that and took like about two years of research and interviewing people and tracking people down and looking at every article ever written about the housewives and every podcast they've been on and every article on bravotv.com and, you know, found all the good juice that's in the book for you guys. It's good. What is the, what is the number one thing that people ask you about what you found out about the real story behind the real housewives? What is the number one thing that people want to know or are there too many? Usually they want to know how much the ladies get paid, and usually they want to know, like, is it real? Like, is it scripted? How real is it? Um, and, you know, we talk about both of those things in the book. Well, let's start with how much they get paid. Um, so if if it's a housewife coming out of obscurity, like not someone like Denise Richards, who, you know, has a name. Sure. But they usually make 60000 their first season. 120,000 their second season and then between 3 and 500,000 each season going forward. Um with the exception of some of the stars that have been around longer, like Candy Burris makes about 2 million a season, Mimi Leaks was making about the same before she left, Bethany Franco was making about a million and the kind of tentpole housewives like a Teresa Giudice or Ramona Singer, they're probably making about a million dollars a season. But they now get paid per episode. So um, New Jersey has a shorter season and Dallas has a shorter season. So they might not make as much per episode as the other women. Got it. Yeah, that's kind of, that's interesting. And I really, you know, enjoyed the story of which you, you tell. And really people who, uh, if you're a fan of Bravo and you like Housewives, this, this, you've got to read this book. It's such a great book. But, you know, I was fascinated with, you know, the whole story you tell about how Bravo even came up with the Real Housewives, starting with, you know, the Orange County, whatever it was called, the Encoda, whatever it was yeah. originally. That's a really interesting story. Yeah, and it was this, you know, everyone thinks it was Andy Cohen, and he really had nothing to do with it. It was this guy named Scott Dunlop, and he lived in um, Coto de Casa in Orange County, and he wanted to make a show he called Behind the Gates. And it was less of Real Housewives and more like Curb Your Enthusiasm, where it was going to be real people, but playing out scenes about being in this wealthy community. And from there, it ended up at Bravo, and Bravo changed it into, you know, the Real Housewives that we know and love today. Yeah, and and also, you know, the 
whole you tied in because I remember Julie and I, we've been on the air, Brian, since 2002, the summer of 2002. So we've seen all these shows come, you know, to life because we were on the air and we're like, what is this? Oh, something new to talk about. But we always wondered with the housewives calling themselves the real housewives at the same time as desperate housewives. And so you do yeah. link up that story in, in your book, um, the housewives. Yeah. Totally. And that's totally how they got the name. And, you know, there was a lot of that at the time where even um, uh, the OC was a big show, too. And you had, like, Laguna Beach and the Hills and, like, all that, like, trying to play off of these popular scripted shows. How many, Brian, how many of the Real Housewives have been fired versus quit? Are they mostly fired I say with a handful of exceptions, uh, they are almost all fired. And some of them will swear up and down that they left of their own accord. But I have more often than not heard people say otherwise. And I think with some housewives who have been on longer, Bravo says, okay, we'll give you the chance to announce this and you can say whatever you want, but you're not coming back. Like Dorinda? Um, uh, I I would venture to guess that Dorinda was fired, even yeah. though she said she left of her own accord. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I talked to Kristen Takeman for the book who was on Real Housewives of New York, and she still insists that she left of her own accord. But no, I heard right. from somebody who was working on the show at the time that that might not have necessarily been the case. But I think when Bethany left both times, that was her own doing. I think right. when Nene left the first time, I think when Lisa Vanderpump left, those are probably the only ones I can think of where people left the show because most of them don't want the gravy train to end. Like this is where they're making their money. They like the platform. They like the fame. They like being a part of this thing. And you know, you're not going to take that away from people willingly. Okay. So Brian, I know that you were like, were you the co-author or the ghostwriter of pretty mess with Erica Jane? Yes. Her book was. So are you still friends? Yeah. Are you guys in contact? Because I'm like, this is unbelievable what we're seeing on Beverly Hills. Yeah, we still chat a bit. And, you know, we follow each other on social media and stuff. But I live in London. She lives in L.A. Mm -hmm. So we don't see each other a lot. But, um, yeah, I talked to her a couple weeks before the season started. And, you know, I think she's really going through it. And she really didn't know what was going on. And I think she's struggling like we see on the show. And I think that. She knows that it's not going to be over anytime soon. I mean, there's a lot of lawyering left to do. And so I think she's prepared for a long uh, road ahead. Yeah, well, the prosecuting attorneys are taking notes every Wednesday night, every time she's on. Yeah, for sure. Well, and of all the seasons previously, like, you know, everything you say and do on the show is basically on the record. So. You know, they. I'm sure they could show that footage in court. Yeah. And, and that's, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Brian Molin. His book is The Housewives, the real story behind the real housewives. And he's been a housewife. What are you yourself? Um, you're the president and founding member of the completely fictitious <laughs> Real Housewives Institute. I just love your title. Thank you. Thank I, you. I, it I, is one I bestowed upon myself. I <laughs> absolutely love it. But you have, um, you know, your book is is separated, obviously, into chapters like most books are, but some of the chapters are (laughs) hysterical. You know, the one where the housewives um, fought the law and the law won. How many of these 
how many? I mean, so many housewives have done such naughty things. Yeah, and a lot of it is before the show. Right. But it just shows you, like, the type of person who's good to be on the housewives is the type of person who kind of walks that thin line between, you know, danger and safety. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm just amazed by the people like Jen Shaw or Teresa oh. Giudice who oh. go on the show knowing that they're committing these crimes. And, you know, and the, the many producers told me, we warn all the women, if you have skeletons in your closet, they're coming out. If you have problems in your marriage, they're coming out. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's going to know everything. And so they're warned before they get into it. But I think some people just think, oh, they're, they'll never catch me. They'll never know about me. Their egos are the Jan Shaw thing. I mean, Salt Lake was such a blast this past year. But when all that came out, I mean, she is she's been upgraded to a worse person than she already was. Yeah. <laughs> that just happened and, this week. Yeah. So that's going to be um, something crazy. <laughs> and I can't wait to watch it. I know. Um, I hope they let her be on next year. And you know, one of the things that, that's very fascinating in your book is talking. You write about, you know, basically how much, you know, the the notes that are taken, how they script, how much footage and how much time is put into an hour episode is. It was incredible to me, and also the fact that really the producers they might push people like tell me more about this but all this drama is manufactured by these these women themselves yeah no absolutely and i think that the producers are obviously like putting them in positions where they have to interact with each other and you know and they're kind of coaching them to get the best performance but yeah it you know the producers i talked to said if anyone's driving the story or making up storylines it's it's the women themselves and yeah, I just find that, you know, I, but I think well, these women are professionals. They know what makes good television. I think the calls are coming from inside the house a little bit. Like, yeah. they know what the producers want, and they're going to give it to them. So, and and, um, and thank, thank God for, for them doing it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And thank goodness that I, we only learned this term, like, maybe a couple years ago, or maybe only a year ago, about the Bravo Wink. Will you, yeah. ju- will you just tell people what that is? So the Bravo wink is, is Bravo telling the viewers, like, we know we're in on the joke. Like, we get that this, you know, we take it seriously, but we know it's not serious. So it's like, you know, a, you see it all the time, like a woman on the housewives will say, oh, I never said that. And then they'll show a flashback of her and it'll be like 30 minutes earlier and they'll show her saying exactly that. So yeah. it's kind of saying, like, guys, we know this is crazy. We know that these women are over the top. But we love them just as much as you do, even though we like get it. So it's kind of acknowledging the irony of the whole situation right. and being like, we don't take this all that seriously. Yeah. I also, um, you, Brian, do you have to go or you do have a, I know it's like, is it, what is it, 10 o'clock in London? It's close to that, but I have a few more minutes for you ladies. You do? Okay, we have to take a quick commercial break and uh, we'll come right back because we, we have to ask you about the bitch edit. Everything you know about the bitch edit. Um, We're talking with Brian Moylan. The book is The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. It's fabulous, you guys. We'll be right back. We're talking with Brian Moylan, The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. And he's put together a really great book that is a must-have for any fan of real drama and fake drama. And The Housewives is just a a delicious uh, TV treasure of a book, Brian. 
Well, thank you so much. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Oh, so, we love so it. much. Okay, so let's talk about something called the bitch edit, the villain edit, where maybe we've heard housewives produce, uh, you know, accuse Andy or producers of giving them a bad edit to make them look bad, make them look like a biatch. What do you know about yes, that? And- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All of the editors I talk to say that it doesn't really exist. And, you know, obviously they're shaping things in certain ways and they can do add sound effects and, you know, different reaction shots. Right. And there are tricks of the trade that they use, but they can't put words into the women's mouths necessarily. Actually, they can, but they say they don't. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, and they say that, you know, they need to follow the, the story of the season. If the story of the season is, you know, everyone's mad at Ramona Singer then they need to show Ramona Singer acting like a jerk so that people understand why they're mad at her. And so, you know, it all comes from the women's own behavior. Yeah. How many, like, I mean, are there a lot of people that go through editors, producers, whatever they're called for doing the show? I mean, is it like a churn and burn? Is it a hard place to to be an editor or to work on? Yeah, so... um, so there are actually several different production companies make all the Real Housewives. And so if things are different for each production company, so Got some, uh, and a story editor who's the person who like goes through the, the rough footage and they, um, and an editor who kind of does the fine tuning, they'll work on one episode together. And then another production company, they do scenes. So you'll just work on certain mm. scenes across all different episodes. But it takes them about six months to put the episodes together because they, as soon as they film, they start production and then they don't air for another like six months. And so it's a much more grueling process. But apparently Bravo is pretty good to work for because there's always work and they pay pretty well and the production companies treat you pretty nice. So you know, I think there's a lot of pressure, but there's a lot of reward, too. Yeah. And and is it true that is Andy Cohen really not have that much say? I know he's still like EVP, but is he more just watch what happens live and doing his radio thing? A hundred percent. And, and he, you know, he does have he does have a voice in the room, but he's not the only voice in the room. And so, you know, if he says, oh, maybe do cast this person or fire that person, but He's not the final say, and he's one of 
you know, several people who have that kind of input. And he still is in all the calls while production's happening, and he can voice his opinion, and he looks at the article, or not the articles, the episodes right before they're done, but he's not really in the day-to-day like he was when the show started when he was still working at Bravo. I wish Andy would invite you on his show. That would be no amazing. Kidding. Yeah, that's not going to happen. They're not really happy with me because Bravo wants to be able to control whatever message is going out there in the world, and I wouldn't give them the opportunity to control my message. So okay. they don't want to have me on. All right. Well, I'm glad we're okay. having you on. Okay, so Anne, yeah. answer us this because I we had several people ask it. Who pays for the trips? Oh, it's mostly... Well, Bravo pays for the trips, but they're getting as much for free as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I dedicate a whole book to this. And, you know, they negotiate with these resorts and say, you know, how many rooms they can have, how many nights they're going to be there, what time of day, what activities they're going to do. Some of them have uh, behavior clauses for the women that they can't get in <laughs> physical altercations there. Some they have curfews or they have to stop filming it midnight so it's all in negotiation and you know they're getting promotion obviously and right. for some of the resorts i talked to they said it's very worth it to be on the shows that they get a lot of interest they get housewives coming back and paying for their vacations and then posting about it on social media which gets them more attention mm-hmm. so it's really uh worth it for these hotels and restaurants and other things that are on the show that's yeah. great okay so we have a question i have mm-hmm. another question brian um from a listener wanting to know um, Kelly Ben Simone, who's now currently on Million Dollar Listing in New York. Yep. Was she having a nervous breakdown on Scary Island? I don't know that she was having a nervous breakdown, but I think she was definitely having maybe like a panic attack of okay. some sort. Um, I talked to several people that were working on the show then, and they said that she wasn't on drugs, she wasn't drunk, um, and that she was really having some sort of psychological episode um, while she was there. But, I, you know, she seems to have gotten back and recovered, so I don't think she had a full, like, she needs to be hospitalized. Right, but okay. But I think she definitely needed... To take a Xanax, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and you do write about that in the book. And also the an unbelievable trip, was it, were they in Venezuela, the New York Housewives? That was another crazy trip. Oh, Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. With the boat ride from hell. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Who do you, who do you um, Brian, I mean, do you get scoops or do you get inside information about, like, who's... Who's on the chopping block, uh, the rumor mill, or is it a lot of it Bravo planting their own stories? Like Ramona's uh, being fired or this or that. Uh, it's usually the women themselves. Okay. I actually had a whole chapter about how the women work with the press and the tabloid press. And um, we had to cut it because there, there was too much stuff. But, um, but And some of the producers are doing it. I talked to somebody who works at a tabloid that I won't name, okay. but it has been part of several plot points on The Real Housewives. Oh, yeah. And okay. they say they essentially have producers on retainer, and they pay them, you know, several hundred dollars a week to call in and say, here's what's happening, here's who's fighting with whom, whatever. So it's usually coming from the women or production rather than Bravo. Bravo's very tight 
about their message and who's leaking, and they don't want anything to get out there. They don't. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So Brian, at the end of the day, you wrote this book, um, and is it going gangbusters? Are people just loving it? Yeah, it's a New York Times bestseller. So that's good for um, you. Great. That's so great. Yeah, so. I was very pleased with that. I'm still getting a lot of posts from fans on social media. Yep. Them reading the book on the beach this summer, which is just how it should be enjoyed. So I hope people are really liking it. I worked really hard on it. And um, so I hope that you learn a lot and laugh a lot. And it just intensifies all of our love for The Real Housewives. And it does. And I and, um, we love the book. So just big thumbs up. The and House love Rikes. your recaps. I mean, I even oh, loved... thank you so much. Yeah, I even loved, you know, your thing that you, you wrote a couple weeks ago after Ebony Williams. Like, I don't know if she got mad at you about your New York recap, but New York has been yeah. kind of grim just because of Hate everything that was going mm-hmm. on. But I mean, I I really I think that you you just do a great great job, and I enjoyed reading Nuclear Mistletoe this morning about the recap for last <laughs> night on Vulture dot com. Thank you so much. It was um, they're always fun to write, and it's great that I get to you know spend we, so much time with this thing that I love. Yeah. We gotta go, Brian. The book is The Housewives: The Real Story Behind the Housewives. We've got a couple to give away. Give us a buzz. Thank you for your Thank time, you, Brian. Brian. No problem. Take care. All right, All right we'll be bye. back. We'll be back.